Episode of the Slow Talk Podcast, where we shine the spotlight on slow culture, commerce, and community. With me in the studio today is Drew Davis, local artist, uh, designer, visionary. Maybe we'll add a couple of other uh, descriptors there. Hey, Drew, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, James. How about you? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's good to have you in. I I've been into your studio on multiple occasions. I think this is the first time you've been over here at Slow Talk, man. It's my first time. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. To our listeners that are wondering who Drew Davis is, where can they find you online right away? Uh, my website's drewdavis.com, and pretty much on all the social platforms, I'm Drew Davis Fine Art. It's a pretty good place to start. I like people to be able to see the pictures, what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. You know, speaking of pictures, what we're talking about, Drew, it's pretty cool walking around this beautiful town we call San Luis Obispo. And occasionally I'll see one of these utility boxes. In fact, there's one. I'm not quite sure where it's at, but I'll never forget the picture. It looks like a street scene with rain and people melting and kind of impressionistic, man. You've done a few of those around town, right? I have one that's right over uh, off of High Street in South Higuera, right by uh, Harbor Freight there. That might be the one it's that right I'm thinking. right by the uh, nautical bean over there. It's pretty cool, man. You've got a, a kind of a cool style that speaks. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, speaking of style, Drew, um, I guess for our listeners that wonder, you know, the, the UFO landed, there's this big explosion, they see your art, but then the reverse engineering is, where did this guy come from? So your story, where, where does your first spark of art begin? Like as a kid? Yeah, you know, I like to usually go back to like, uh, and, and credit my upbringing with, um, both my grandmothers were artists on, on my dad's side, she was an oil painter, and my mom's side was a watercolorist. And even when I was just a little kid, I remember she would take me out and kind of do drawing and little, you know, watercolor painting with me. Um, my my parents were kind of creative in their own way. My mom uh, is a musician, played harp and dulcimer. My dad was more of a engineer, uh, you know, more analytical and, you know, computer programmer. So I like to think I have a little bit of a hybrid, hybrid brain in a sense. Uh, clean the best <laughs> from both of them, huh? Something like that. Did you get any... Um... Along with the appetite being whetted by your grandparents, your mom and dad, did you get any formal training growing up? I would say I've taken some workshops from some artists, but from you know from a young age, I've always liked to do art and drawing and all kinds of mediums. Um, I was actually homeschooled from the from the third grade, and I graduated high school when I was about sixteen. I ended up going to Allen Hancock College for a little bit and taking some kind of general basic art classes like drawing and design 101 you know some life drawing and stuff but i uh, i consider myself mostly self-taught um yeah. i remember when i was uh, we had kind of an enrichment program we would go to weekly you know so we had some different art classes and different kinds of things like that and i had a teacher who recommended uh going to this workshop and that that workshop was kind of the spark that got me painting because prior to that i'd mostly done more detailed colored pencil work and uh, I just kind of shown how fun painting can be, and so that's what that's what kind of kick kickstarted my my painting career. And I shortly, you know, I probably, probably painted for a little bit. Uh, ended up, I actually got accepted into my first art gallery when I was about seventeen, eighteen years old. And really, that's that's quite young. 
Yeah, I was definitely the youngest in there. In fact, there is a there's an article that was written the youngest. I think the oldest there was like in their nineties, and I was like you know sixteen or seventeen years old. Now, which which city was that in? That was in the Creamery. Wow. Uh, it was called the San Luis Artist Gallery. Years ago, it was this co-op gallery, um, and I I started to sell really well. In fact, a lot of the kind of veteran artists were kind of like mad at me because I was like this young kid that came in and started to, you know, sell a bunch of work. <laughs> now, now, were you having fun with color back then? Uh, oh, also? yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Because, you know, we didn't get into a big, uh, a big introduction, uh, but it says on the website, this is kind of fun, paint poet, pigment chef, and color enthusiast. That, uh, you know, kind of creates an image, and then you look yeah. at your art, and you can see what that's all about. So I was just wondering if the color was just a natural part of what you were doing way back when. Yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, I've I've just done it for so long and, you know, just played with color and stuff for so long that I I, I find it to be pretty intuitive. But, yeah, I, I just I just paint how I want. Like, it's, just, you know, I, I think just naturally I've, I've experimented a lot with mixing, you know, colors and, you know, doing things I, I shouldn't do, you know, or like, you know, against the, the art rules and whatever. Um, but I, I kind of came up with that, the, you know, paint poet, pigment chef uh because i like i like the kind of hybridization of of things and i I, i've always said that i you know different all the different kinds of arts are all connected right so i also love to cook and you know i play i play some music and um i feel it's a very similar process when i'm cooking as when i'm painting and so i kind of like that visual of a you know a pigment chef you know because i uh, I, I feel that when I'm when I'm working, it's like you're mixing I'm mixing colors, and it's yeah. there's a very analytical kind of scientific side to it as well. Just just like with, there is with cooking, it's about balance, and you're bringing different elements together, and yeah. just like I'm bringing different colors and different values uh, together, and and you know finding that right the right flavor for the for the recipe or for the dish that you're exactly. trying to create or the picture, as the case may be. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because I remember talking to a songwriter like Louis Ortega about, you know, the comparison between painting and, and crafting a song. And I've often thought about that transferability of template. And you mentioned cooking, too. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so going back through uh, just traveling through school and taking the classes of art in school and things, did you have, like, certain artists' uh, names or styles or things that just kind of hit you that you thought was really cool? Maybe you had a chance to see in a book, in a movie, or maybe at a gallery? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm drawn to certain artists. I, I do the one that kind of stands out that I would call my favorite since I was younger would be like Salvador Dali, um, especially initially. Like in my earlier uh, art days, I would my my drawings would be very whimsical and surreal, and I was really drawn to his work as again this this kind of juxtaposition of of elements that wouldn't necessarily go together. You know, like you know, finding a, a piano skin on the beach. You know, there's mm-hmm. these these you know, or the the tiger. You know, like there, there's these these elements that you just that make you think and kind of kind of make your brain work and you know try to try to figure out what you know what what's behind it, what's going on. Hundred percent. In fact, when I look at Salvador Dali's work, his early works, he started twisting scenes and adding elements. You know, some of which you're talking about there, and maybe some pieces people are familiar with, melting time pieces later on, but. His ability to to paint and to portray things was really, really good. And then he started twisting that ability. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. He isn't like he just started going wild from the get-go. He was very, very skilled yeah. just in the ability to do portraiture and pieces and still life. And then he started doing these weird elements, spatial and tonal qualities. And Yeah. yeah. 
Very fascinating. And I, I resonate with, um, you know, certain elements of the energy that the artists kind of portray, you know, like even Jackson Pollock, even, even though I'm not like a huge fan of his like drip splatter paintings, I appreciate the energy that's behind that. Right. You know, I mean, so there's, you know, another, you know, so Salvador Dali doesn't really have a, a very painterly quality, you know, it's, it's, it's very refined, uh, in a sense, but like my, my work, I, I really kind of focus on the, the process and the actual paint itself and how, how that, you know, letting the paint, kind of speak for itself. I think I mentioned that um, in my bio, but. Um. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. In fact, I have the, the, I guess the pleasure or the joy of actually taking a couple of classes from yeah. you. I think that's valuable to shine the light on. And I remember you saying that, allowing the medium, the paint to speak and using the paint, not only in the way that you put it on, the tonal qualities, but the paint itself, sometimes getting it thick. In fact, mm -hmm. the first uh, oil painting I did was a little outdoor scene. And as the grapevines or the green <laughs> rows get closer, you look at that actual piece that's just outside the studio now, and there's actual blobs of paint. But I love it because as you step back, they blend. But as you look forward, you kind of see the tricks that went into making that painting what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, you know, it's it's funny because people, you know, look at things that look like they have no effort or it's like kind of a splatter, but there's there's actually a lot of practice that goes into making something appear loose, uh, but you can still capture what you're trying to capture, right? So it's it's not necessarily the the amount of time, but it's the practice and creating, you know, and 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 painting that in this loose way to actually portray what you're trying to do. Like you can make a a car in like yeah. one brushstroke if you're really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that takes thousands and thousands of tries and, you know, and experimenting to, to learn how to paint quickly, but still capture what you're trying to capture. Give me the term Alta Prima, the terminology for wet on wet painting. Oh, French a, a, a la Prima. I was yeah. close. I was in, yeah, the, you're, you're in the neighborhood. <laughs> a la Prima, where you're painting wet on wet. It's an oil painting technique to describe the process of doing a painting pretty much all at one time, right? Yeah, I, I believe Ala Prima is is like you you paint, um, yeah. It's just all wet into wet. So oil oils, if if those of you who don't know, you know, they take a very long time to dry. They take you know sometimes weeks or months to dry fully, and so I don't I don't I don't always paint Ala Prima. My uh, when I do plain air painting or you know painting in nature outside, I, I do make it a practice to make those um, Ala Prima. So I I don't go back to the studio and continue working on them. Where typically my my work in the studio is like I, I I generally work on something no less than about three or four sessions, you know, which can last you know a session could be twenty minutes or three hours, you know, so it kind of does, it does vary a lot. So Alaprima is is fun, and I, I do use that um, especially in my plein air. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, just became recently familiar with that. It was really good for me because I had a tendency up until recently to overwork the painting, and that kind of yeah. is, it's you know, three hours, it's done. That was great. Yeah. But um, just talking about style and technique, Drew, um, you talked about an energy and a flow. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're painting live or a la prima, is that, did I get that right again, that term? Yeah, that's right. A la prima. You're painting... Uh, there's something about capturing that energy as you capture what you're seeing. You're trying to, in my estimation, the feeling that I got is capture some of that emotion, how that, how that picture, like in this instance, it was an outdoor grapevine field with a landscape uh, going back into the horizon with a beautiful sky. 
And that had a lot of depth to it. It was beautiful. It was towards the end of the day. There were twilight. And, and I really attempted to try to let some of that come out in the paint. I don't know the proper explanation for that, but I, you talked about that in the studio. Then I see this in your work. Mm -hmm. uh, not only you doing, in fact, for our listeners on this podcast, go, go to Drew's Facebook page. He may have some saved videos there or on YouTube. In fact, this is what caught me during the shelter in place, Drew. You were doing some live painting. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's some of those pictures up there where you fast forward them and show the end result. It's pretty timeline. fascinating to see your energy, the spark of creativity and you capturing that on the canvas. Yeah, I... Um, I do find myself working a little differently when I'm doing plein air or, you know, painting, you know, in, in nature and life. That's a, it's just a fancy French word for painting outside. But I think I like to think of it also is it's sort of like it's like school in a way. Like it's 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 you're, you're training your brain to see differently um, because there's other challenges that are there when you're painting outside. You know, not just to mention environmental, you have know, wind and sun and dirt and all this stuff. Um but the lighting is constantly changing, right? And so you're kind of, it's, it's a race against, you know, time and against light. And sometimes like the fog rolls in. And so it's this, there's a lot of processes happening, you know, all at once. Like, cause you know, so I'm not only are like, you know, I have to actively be mixing paint. And yeah. also when, when I'm painting from life, I'm more prone to, to try to kind of accurately depict that color. Cause it's kind of an opportunity to really capture that, you know, the light that you're seeing. Cause when you're working from a photograph, yeah. You're, you're not getting that dimension of, you know, of the light, the actual light you're seeing, you know, reflected off of things. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've, I've only been doing plain air. I don't know. It's probably been, I don't know, seven years or something. But I, I you know, initially, like when I first started painting, I, I kind of like didn't really think much of it, you know, because I, I saw a lot of plain air paintings and I wasn't really that stoked on them. They seemed just kind of dull to me a little bit and then and then I started to see artist work that I was like okay okay so plain air can be really really cool and like you can really capture light and like yeah. do a lot of cool stuff with it so I started getting into it and then uh now I love it it's not I wouldn't say it's my primary thing but I've definitely uh been I did it a lot this you know during the during the lockdown I, I've seen yeah I for lack of a better term right quarantine shelter yeah. in place my gosh yeah but I've seen a lot of different pictures of you in Avila and you know different locations uh and I see that energy and, and the thing that that I like to do is take that back to the studio even though you're looking at a photograph the memory the vivid memories mm -hmm. of what you're experiencing if you can kind of capture that light in a bottle that really kicks the paintings up. And by looking at your work and you going back in the studio, it looks to me like when you're painting from a photograph, there's more than just what you're looking at. There's a lot of memory and, and reminiscing going on too. Yeah. And I think that's another reason I, I think, you know, painting from life is a, is a good tool, kind of a good learning tool um, yeah. because you're learning how to capture that. And so you can take that back to the studio. And if you don't have that real life, you know, light and scene to look at, you you have it in there somewhere like you know so, so it starts to come out like i'm i'm i i don't paint i'm not great from painting from memory like i, I like to, i need to have some kind of a reference photo it, when i'm doing something like representative like I, I i do often uh like to kind of challenge myself and do like abstract or just kind of kind of free flow kind of in the zone you know painting where i'm not really concerned with the outcome or what what's going to happen and then and then 
some interesting things happen too because you're also taking all that experience from learning about light and shadow. Um, yeah. And you could take that in, in another direction into more abstract or expressionism kind of stuff. Is that fun for you to actually go in there and not have those constraints of form? You're just using your experience, your knowledge, and just having fun? Yeah, I, I think for me it's necessary. There, there's a certain point like I'll I just kind of need to just kind of uh, express myself and just kind of throw it on the canvas, right? So, you know, it's there, there's actually a um, it's it's another it's it's a whole another challenge. Um, it's a totally different challenge doing that because with my abstract work, um, if you try to imagine you know, you're creating something out of nothing. Like you're starting nowhere and you have to end up somewhere, but it's nowhere specific. <laughs> um, but it has to work. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. so like my abstract work, you know, is, is actually, I consider my most difficult, most, uh, intellect, like most intense, intensely intellectual stuff. Like, cause it's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things happening and I, you have to make them all happen to where they're visually pleasing and, and the composition works and everything's kind of, you know, nothing's off balance or it's not yeah. too busy. Yeah. I've, I've, I've noticed, I may have mentioned this to you before, but there's a certain series that I, that I did, um, about like five or six years ago, uh, called Phantasmagoria. And it's definitely a kind of a throwback to like my kind of Salvador Dali. It's very surreal. Mm -hmm. It's totally abstract and there's nothing, there's no real specific subject matter, but you can kind of read a lot into it. There's maybe certain, there's like elements of different, you know, maybe animals or fish or, you know, like different things you can kind of see maybe in it. Yeah. But what I found, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's interesting looking at who, who is drawn to what pieces. And I found that um, for whatever reason, it's like the more it's the engineers and the computer programmers and these more intellectual like, you know, uh, people that are that typically like those that's those are the pieces they like. Which that's is, which that's are, kind of fascinating. Which too. I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting that they take maybe their own spatial constructs or design to that piece and that mm -hmm. it works for them. <clears throat> it's interesting how people walk into a really really nice store, maybe an Apple computer store. You know, Megan's Organic Market, and they f they don't know why something works. All the elements come together. But I think that's what I'm hearing you saying about some of those spatial abstract pieces. You as an artist, when things are really coming together, you might be able to look at certain elements and go, oh, I know why. Mm -hmm. But people walking up to it don't always know why. They just know, oh. And you've probably heard this. I really like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And and oftentimes, I'm not really controlling that. Like, I, I'm, I, I definitely put a lot of effort into you know, manipulating, you know, the shapes and the values and, and, and that sort of thing. But usually a piece works when it does. And it's not, and it's not that I've really forced it there, but it's, you know, I've kind of naturally let it evolve to that point. Yeah. Um, it also involves a lot of just kind of boldness and kind of letting go the outcome. Uh -huh. Um, cause the more, the more, the more we try to constrain our outcome, like the more frustrated we can get. And especially with that kind of work, like I, I let myself, you know, like make a lot of changes or, you know, like wipe off a big part of the can, you know, or just, just make these really drastic big changes that, you know, some people might be afraid to, to do if, if you have like this idea, this kind of elevated idea of where you're going. And so they start off very more playful and more intuitive in a, and just kind of, it's just about the process and you're just experimenting. Like I, a lot of my, a lot of my, that work and in general, it's just like I'm experimenting with new ideas and yeah. 
just not being afraid to, to try something. You know? New ground, yeah, so to speak. You know, speaking of new ground, a couple of weeks back, maybe it's been two or three weeks, um, I attended an event there at the uh, Drew Davis Gallery, Fine Art Gallery or Studios, and uh, Brain Soil 1, 1.0. And uh, Jason was the other uh, collaborator. What's Jason's last name? Jason Town. You know what? I'd like to bring Jason in the studio here at this point and maybe shine the spotlight on that collaborative effort. And, you know, just when you talked about not being afraid to try something, stepping in, I think this is a great juncture to talk about that. I think so, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's bring Jason into the podcast. Sounds great. Sponsor support for the Slow Talk podcast is brought to you by our friends at Big Sky Cafe San Luis Obispo, where they depend on local farmers, ranchers, vintners, and San Luis Obispo County brewmasters to help them create their real food by real people. This commitment to fresh market fare and a seasonal-inspired menu has made Big Sky Cafe a downtown local's favorite. Sky Cafe online at BigSkyCafe.com and visit them today at 1121 Broad Street, San Luis Obispo, and tell them Slow Talk Center. We're back in the studio here for the Slow Talk podcast and uh, welcoming in Jason Town, a visual artist, graphic artist extraordinaire. Jason, welcome to Slow Talk Studios, man. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we just um, had an opportunity to meet you a few weeks ago at Brain... Brain Soil. Brain Soil 1.0. Yes. Beta 1. Beta 1 at the <laughs> Drew Davis uh, studio, the gallery there. Yes. And uh, that was a pretty unique experience. We had art, we had music, we had paint, we had dance, um, we had slideshow. There was just so many elements. How did How did you guys meet? How did that all come together, guys? Well, we've known each other for a long time. Um, I think kind of how that came together is it was, uh, I knew I wanted to do an event there. And so I first talked to um, some of my musician friends and we just kind of picked a date. I just wanted to do a show, didn't really know what it was going to be. And then I was chatting with Jason and we just kind of started brainstorming and just had so many elements, you know, that I wanted to bring together, you know, so, so that's, that's why I'm, we're calling it an all sensory art experience, you know, cause it's not, not really an art show. It's not really a concert, but, but just, it was it, almost like a three part act in a way, like it, it kind of, um, but again, it just, it just sort of kept evolving and is continually, you know, to, to evolve, you know, as we kind of just have new ideas and stuff. And, um, Jason brought his element in, uh, which is more, uh, you know, kind of the projection and kind of black light art. And, you know, we got some lasers and fog and we, you know, lighting, just playing with lighting and projection and just, you know, kind of created, you know, an, an over sensory experience. All while, all while this amazing three piece trio, the sunny side trio is up in the rafters yeah. uh, playing. The lights are going on around him. When I walked in, I thought I was running running into silly string or spider's webs, and it was light beams coming down. <laughs> yeah. I kept having to shift into realizing there was this multimedia show going on around me, music, lights. Yeah. Then I walked in the other room, Jason. People had paint on, and then they were mm -hmm. painting. I mean, this was happening on different dimensions. I mean, even the— um, Yeah. Yeah. It took us weeks before we realized we were going to do painting at the show. It was, you know— 
we were hanging out with a couple artists and it was just like, hey, let's paint. And so there was four of us circling a table. Mm-hmm. I think we made seven paintings all together. And it was like, hey, this is kind of a this is kind of a fun, organic way to get everybody to not only come to an art show and look at art and have food and have drink and meet new people, but to make art at the art show. Created a lot of energy. Yeah. It was interesting because like when we first did that um, with those guys, it was like, it just happened very organically. We're just like, oh, let's do it. We got set up and yeah. you know went, went around. And so we, we started just rotating. And so like every, every artist got, you know, like I started saying like, you know, okay, rotate, you know, so you got about like 20 seconds maybe to make a mark. And so we basically created this kind of like, you know, collective consciousness painting. And it was this, this neat interaction, but also collaborative um, experience. And, and we were just like, we were like, looked at each other and we're like, this is, that was cool. We, this is, this is, we got to do this. Like this is, this is something that's unique, you know? It, it was, to me, it was a flashback to earlier in high school when they used to take the overhead projector and some dishes of oil and water and do some basic rudimentary art shows. Yeah. This was kind of a flashback using some basic rudimentary, you know, paints and paper and yet expanding it to the overhead projector, the music, the fluorescent aspect. That was, it was real success, man. All sensory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I like the way you guys put beta over it. Beta means this is the first release. Mm-hmm. We got some beta testing, but we're certainly not done. There's going to be a 2.0 and a 2.1, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah we had no idea what to expect. I was like, we're just going to throw all this stuff together and see how it works. And yeah, it and worked. it feels good. It feels good to uh, sell out a first show. Yeah. People, people really. The sense I got is folks didn't want to leave. There was like three different evenings: the early birds, the little birds, and then the night owls. <laughs> and I saw that. I kind of came in just after the first third, or maybe towards the second. But people wanted to linger after the party was so called done. So there was this night owl session. It was a lot of fun, man. It was really art after dark expanded kind of like a festival after dark kind of a thing hey yes you know (laughs) i think i think that third and last part of the show was my favorite because it was kind of a it was kind of a a moment to off gas for the all the energy from that night was was just kind of a there was this residual energy that kind of hung out after the 11 11 cutoff yeah and so the last group of people that were there seemed to kind of hang on to the energy of the show and hang out and just kind of want to play and have fun and have a drink or smoke a cigar. Yeah. It was great. People that left early, I think when they, when they saw the little, little video I threw together, they wish they didn't leave early Uh (laughs) because you know, there's, yeah, it's like, it's like leaving halfway through, you know, a play or something like we were talking about. Or a good movie. Or a good movie. (laughs) You know, it's like, there's, there's kind of different elements like the, cause it was, we designed it to kind of transform. And again, we're still kind of working on all the technical aspects of, of this and going forward. But like the night is kind of supposed to, progress you know like you know beginning is higher energy the dancing you know like music maybe the lighting is a little different and then it becomes it becomes more of a lounge more of a yeah kind of chill but still has that unique energy yeah unique and you know kind of changing dynamic Absolutely. Absolutely. It was uh, very unique to step into and to recognize at this time people just wanted to get out and hang out. That certainly was a success from that vantage point, you know. And uh, and it also speaks through about your collaborative ability to work with other artists and the artist community. I mean, art is a living, breathing thing and we're living, breathing artists. Why not work together? Why not meet where we can? And you demonstrated that. I mean, you demonstrated that with, with the, uh, the different mediums of 
the art and then the food and then the music and the eclectic group of people. It was a really, really successful event for many aspects, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that, that's part of, that's part of the idea is like, um, I want, I want this to be a collaboration. You know, I want, I want to kind of, you know, have, have artists come in and kind of create again, this energy with different artists and stuff. And, I, you know, Jason's been great to work with. Like we, I think we work really, really well together, and yeah. like we, I think we complement each other really well because it, it is, like you said, it's not, it's not easy to work with other artists sometimes, right? Yeah. But yeah. but this event, I want to cultivate this kind of group, you know, and and to be able to give back and kind of create this kind of symbiotic relationship with musicians and artists and of all kinds, you know, visual, you know, music, you know, I want I want to you know develop like the the food aspect and you know again just all senses and this is yeah. this has been sort of a, a vision sort of a you know kind of a dream show i've had since i was you know a long time ago to kind of bring all these elements together and, and i feel like this is like definitely getting closer to this you know this idea that i've had and for those of you that are listening that um that haven't been to the space yet the the studio is very very uniquely set up with different levels and different rooms and you know it's got a different zones and you took full advantage of that with the lighting and the different colors and the different you know uh, things that drew you in and then of course your work drew is all throughout the gallery you know and so people get a chance to come in that may have not ever known who you were that just kind of you know were invited to the party mm-hmm. saw uh, a little bit more of what you do than what they've seen out in the streets, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it was also cool, um, you know, because like, you know, because Jason's more focused on a lot of like blacklight stuff right now, mm-hmm. and and so I, we've we've kind of, you know, we've kind of meshed our work in a sense, and we we started playing with more blacklight. So his, you know, he he created this. Uh, I'll let him talk to you a little bit about it, but like a, a sculpture, uh-huh. blacklight sculpture, and then you know this, you know, kind of these highlighted, you know, parts of this blacklight art. Um, and that, I want to hear. Yeah. I want to hear a little bit about that, Jason. Yeah, the, tell the us. sculpture. Oh, the sculpture. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's a sculpture. It's about five and a half feet tall, yeah. and it's five by five cubes, and they're all glowing. They're all painted by hand, and it took about a hundred hours to make the chandelier. It's mounted on a one mile an hour or one RPM uh, disco ball motor, so it spins very slow, and so we had that lit with black light and blue light to get it to shine for the party. And so it's just this interesting kind of human-sized sculpture of cubes that are all glowing, and it's slowly kind of changing. And and we had it up high, so you, I was thinking you couldn't that, even really mind. reach it. Yeah. yeah, But it was up near the musicians, and it just, it kind of added, it kind of, it almost just added this weird focal point that was in the center of of everything. (laughs) And uh, I really appreciate Drew letting me hang it up because I spent so much time on it. And um, I think it turned out, it turned out the way I wanted it to. And uh, just the fact that he let me put it in the show kind of in the center of everything was big deal for me. So it was, it was great. I I love seeing it there and I'll go hang out with Drew and it's still up and yeah, it's I think it's an important part of the show, dude. (laughs) Thank you. So, Drew Davis, for our podcast listeners that want to find your art, Drew, DrewDavisFineArt.com or DrewDavisArt.com? Uh, DrewDavis.com is my, is my website. Uh, and Instagram, I'm DrewDavisFineArt. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. If you remember my name, you can kind of Google me or look me up on, on yeah, Instagram. I'm on Facebook, too. I, I, I use Instagram more, though. Gotcha. <laughs> and, and Jason Town, where can folks find you out in cyberspace? Yeah, so the best place is uh, you can go to Art by... It's, it's a... 
artbyjasontown.com mm-hmm. uh, online, or you can go to artbyjasontown on Instagram, and you can find all my my latest work there. Excellent, Jason. Where where did you originate from? Where did you uh, where were you born? Can, can I can I say something real quick? Yeah. If, if if those are if, if anyone's interested in attending the next uh, Brain Soil 2.0. Uh, you can actually just go to brainsoil.art and you can buy a ticket. There's limited tickets available. Pre-sale um, tickets. And yeah, the pre-sale tickets mm-hmm. are uh, they're $18 until August 1st and they mm-hmm. go up to 21, mm-hmm. uh, 36 at the door. So mm-hmm. um, right. I would get it soon because we sold out last time and I think there is, they're probably going to go pretty quick. For Oppor- sure. Opportunity knocks. Man. Yeah. Brainsoil.art. All right, check that out. You can find all of what these guys do at those sites. Uh, th- this has really been a, a rich discussion, especially with my experience of being able to, you know, be there at that event and stumble into that and um, and just become enriched by enjoying uh, what was happening that evening, you know, and the people there. And uh, kudos to you guys for doing that. And um, thanks, James. Yeah, thank you. This episode of the Slow Talk Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dining for Charities, featuring half-off dining at some of the Central Coast's best restaurants, with proceeds benefiting local Central Coast charitable organizations. Purchase restaurant and partner certificates for up to 50% off at DiningForCharities.com and local Slow County charities like Woods Humane Society of San Luis Obispo receive 15% of all certificate sales for that month. Check out Dining for Charities at DiningForCharities.com to purchase your certificates today and save money and help local charities. Uh, Drew and Jason, the arts in San Luis Obispo City and County. Where where do you see things going in the in the near short term future? We're coming out of shelter in place. Um, art after dark is kind of. I'm not quite sure that's happening. There's something called art out and about. It's art after dark isn't even a thing anymore. Apparently. Yeah. It's an, yeah. It's a, art it's art, and, art about. and about. Yeah. And it's not the first Friday of every month. It's the first Saturday now. Yeah. And so it's been changed a bit. I mean, I'm sure they're From trying to capture, to trying to trying to capture the same spirit of art after dark, but it's it's different now. It's yeah. changed. Yeah. Well, looking toward the future, I think you guys are going to play a part in helping to shape that because people are definitely wanting unique experiences. They're definitely wanting a collaboration of the arts. To me, the arts work together. I mean, I love seeing the different elements work together and be able to have a whole, you know, a whole evening in the arts. Yeah. So if you take, you know, kind of the world that we come from, you know, you you put on an art show, you have a charcuterie board, which is basically a lot of uh, cheese, meat, olives, and you have some wine and you, you light the art and you invite people to come and they come in and make a circle. They might meet someone, they might have a drink and a snack and they're out. It's really the ultimate mixer. It really is. Yeah. And so what we're trying to do is with, with Brain Soil, it kind of starts out as a typical art show. It's all very well lit. It's, it starts out with the snacks and the wine and, and the art perfectly lit. And then as the night goes, it progresses into projection, to blacklight, to laser light show, to um, music that we spent hours putting together. So it's all sensory. And I hope actually hope that San Luis Obispo can start adding 
more dynamic art shows to the city. Which, which really will enrich in, uh, enrich in the cultural experience for everybody. Yeah. So that's why when I look at the Brain Soil Project, it's the most dynamic art show we can make as a collaboration. And it's, uh, it, it's kind of, I mean, if we were, say, little kid artists, what would a little kid artist want to walk in and see? A crazy light show, projection, well-lit art, good food. I mean... It reminds me a little bit about the Exploratorium. I don't know if you guys ever visited. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Up at the Palace of Fine Arts. When I was a kid, I would go up there and my mind would be blown because they were doing cutting-edge stuff. And you guys are mixing different elements that, you know, for the most part has not really been done in a long time. So, you know, this is fun, man. Good. Looking forward to another one of these. Yeah, me and, too. And once again, for our listeners, DrewDavis.com. And then Jason Town art art by Jasontown dot com art by Jasontown dot com, guys. T o w n e t o w n e. Make yeah. sure we spell that correctly. Old thank English. you so yeah. much for that clarification. <laughs> you know what? Slow Talk Podcast once again shining the spotlight on slow culture, commerce, and community. All three right here. Thank you guys for bringing it. Thanks for being our guest this week. Yes, thanks, thanks for having so much, me. James. We appreciate it. Look forward to you guys coming back sometime, okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, have a good one. <laughs> All right, you too. Uh-huh.